0: This morning, just entering in and uh, enjoying that I felt this morning, in the past couple days that God had given me a word, and the end of the uh, the end of the message this morning uh, is for Courtney. I feel like the Lord gave me a word for her, and uh, just a word of encouragement. But uh, it's an honor to have uh, all of our guests this morning. Thank you so much for being a part. I have a spiritual son this morning. Uh, we didn't have the same mother. Our grandmother, but but Terry, Jerry wave, Terry, my spiritual son. He's black. I realize that. Don't be concerned. Uh, <laughs> uh, same dad, same dad. And always a joy to have my spiritual sons to come and honor me and, and be a part of what God is saying and doing. I did want to comment. We were talking about babies, and many of you have not yet met Terry. Terry, where did you go? Right right here. Ter- wave your hand so everybody knows know. So Terry's mom uh, was in labor and gave birth to Terry, and then mom laying there in, in the recovery room is saying, "There's something, there's, there's something wrong. There's something's not right. Something's not. I'm still having contractions." So they took her back into the delivery room, and she birthed a three-pound baby boy, which is Jerry. Now, how how cool of a story! I mean, you're talking about a you're talking about a, a icebreaker. What kind of what, what kind of story is that? A healthy and they did not know. They obviously they didn't know they had twins. But she said there's there's something wrong. And actually, there was something right. There was something moving there. There was a there was a look at somebody say stirring. There was a there was a stirring. This morning, my thought is uh, based on the words of a. I'm not sure if uh, Bill Gaither or Lanny Wolf wrote the song. But there's a song entitled, I'm Tired of Being Stirred and Not Being Changed. I'm Tired of Being Stirred and Not Being Changed. This past week, we went to uh, Florida to spend some time with my dad and my brother and my pastor. Uh, I, did, uh, I was with Pastor Billy uh, Sunday evening, and uh, the church honored me there. And I'll be going back the 15th of July to preach for him. But uh, this past weekend, uh, Pastor Billy was at Kenneth Copeland's Eagle Mountain. How many saw the, the confirmed, the documented miracle? I mean, how crazy is that? Like, well, I called him this morning. I told him, I said, hey, I'm preaching your sermon this morning. Where was that scripture you, you shared? And so we began to talk. And Friday night, uh, the Daystar did the service live. And Friday night, the service was the number three Twitter in the world, number three, Twitter, in the world, even it outtweeted Jimmy Fallon, and uh, they, uh, they, uh, they had such a move of God. They decided to continue it over this morning. So Pastor Billy is there with them this morning, expecting a great and incredible time. But Pastor Billy shared a word that it, that encouraged me last last Saturday, and if I didn't go for any reason but to hang out with Skylar and Courtney. And hang out with Pastor Billy. It was worth the 18 hours on the road. The things that took, p- took place. And all that, that journey. It actually was a very pleasant journey. Skylar was awesome in her, in her car seat. I was so impressed with Courtney. That she didn't take the baby out of the car seat. Which I would have done. Had Courtney been driving. I got the back seat. I know you're not supposed to do that. But it was, a, it was just a great time with my daughter. And granddaughter. And uh, the, whole, the, whole, the whole week. Uh, Since we've been back, God has been kind of uh, birthing something in me. And I share with Pastor Rhonda, uh, Pastor Billy encouraged us to every day try to stir up the things of God. And uh, as he shared that, if you go with me to Isaiah, the 64th chapter. And the seventh verse, or you don't have to go there, you can trust me that I'm going to read it uh, the way it says it. But here's what Isaiah 64 and seven says. And there is none, look at somebody say, no one, that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. There is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. And we know that there have been some seasons in, in the word of God when the people were so busy doing their own thing, And so busy pursuing their own treasure that God got kind of put on the back burner. Haggai talks about a generation that builds their house but neglects the house of the things of God. And there's there's a generation here that the people on earth have no desire, have no hunger for the things of God, that God is not important. God is not their focus. And God addresses that. And God addresses that I'm I'm talking to a generation today that has no desire to pursue me, no desire to follow me, no desire to get me in their life. And uh, I don't believe that generation has rolled over to this generation. I believe this generation is looking for something, uh, thus the warrior things, thus the different things going on, the, the Karen is from different ministries that There seems to be a generation of young people that are trying to find the heart of God, that are trying to do the right thing, that are trying to see miracles and the favor and the hand of God. They're they're looking for something that they haven't found in music, they haven't found in Hollywood, they haven't found in sex or drugs or the things that life, the world says, try these things to 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 enjoy, to get high or whatever. But there does seem to be a generation of young people today that seem to be trying to stir themselves up and touch on the things of God. When I think of being stirred, and I shared this with two or three people this week, it's kind of an interesting concept, that the Bible talks about Jesus going to the pool of Bethesda. And we have in detail talked about the five porches, the five gifts of God, the evangelists, all the things that God has blessed the church with. But when, G- when Jesus went to this guy, and he said, what's going on? The guy said, I've been here 38 years, and uh, every time the Holy Ghost would come down once in a while, just randomly, and stir the water. And uh, he said, when the Holy Ghost comes and stirs the water, when I try to get in the water, the first person in the water is healed. And I have no one to help me get in the water. I have no one to help me uh, when, the, when the power of God begins to move. I have no help. And, and you know the story that Jesus reached out and touched him and healed him instantly. But I was thinking to myself, you know, I said self, if if I was that guy and I was at that window, uh, there were seasons when God came down and stirred the water. I think that, number one, I think that I would probably stay in the water. And that way, when the stirring comes, I'm already there. And so those of you that are that are feeling like, well, I'm trying to stir up the things of God. I'm trying to touch on the things of God. I'm trying to be what God wants me to be and do what God wants me to do. Be faithful. Stay in the water. Be faithful because I believe that they that hunger and search after righteousness, they shall be filled. I just, I just believe that. I believe that there is a God that is not hiding from us. There's a God that's not playing head games with us. There's a God that's not going to, uh, I think, the Geico commercial Would you would you tease a dog with a bone then not give the dog the bone? I Is that Geico or Progressive? And one of the commercials I saw that I thought was interesting. Would you would you tease a dog with a bone than not give the dog the bone? I don't think God dangles carrots out in front of us. I don't think that God teases us. I think that God will. I don't want to use the word trick, but I think God will put us in places where we realize that he is God and that we need to seek after him. I believe that. But as i look looked at this stirring this pa- the past couple of days, I came up with three different thoughts that I want to leave with you. Thought number one is we have the ability to stir God up. We have the ability to stir God up. And I, I have, reflecting back in, in earlier years when, when I first got saved and God delivered me from all that stuff that He delivered me from, and, and, uh, and I realized that God delivered me from stuff that was a lot worse than drug addiction. But when God delivered me from all that stuff, there was a hunger in my heart to be around the things of God. And, Gene, I would find out whatever church, and you know what? It didn't have to be a charismatic church. Whatever church was having service that particular night, I would go. And I I would go, and I'd make myself available. I'd always try to get close at the front. And uh, I I would just expect God to move, and I, I would expect to be a part of that moving, and that is what the church of Ephesus calls losing their first love. A lot of people have forgotten that. And, and you can't you can't call it a feeling. Uh, you can't. The, the word said there's no high like the Holy Ghost high. But there is a moment in time when you know you're where you're supposed to be and you have God's attention. It's, it, it's a it's an overwhelming peace. It's overwhelming joy. It's like that no matter, no matter what can go wrong, you know God's in control and God's got all this, but it's not emotional. There's a difference between emotion and stirring. This past week, I have made up my mind every day that I'm going to stir up God. I'm going to get the attention of God. And by doing that, I got myself in a place where there were no distractions, a place where I could, I could stay there for a while, and then I just begin to remind the Lord how good he had been to me. And I, when I begin to think about the healing, the restoration, the ministry, all the things that God has done in the past 36 years, I felt I felt overwhelmed, I guess with thanksgiving. Is that a good a good I just felt I just felt overwhelmed the fact that of all the things that God had to do, he took out time to touch me and he took out time to minister to me. I want you to go with me if you will to uh, Psalm 35 and 23, and you don't, you don't have to go there if you don't want. I'm going to read it, right what it says. This is David talking to God, and it says, Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. And there we have this promise that we have the ability to stir God up. We have the ability to get the attention of God. And when God shows up, he always shows off, right? He always shows out. He never leaves us like he found us. There's a change. There's a transition. There's a transformation that's different from an emotional high. Now, when you talk about emotional highs, every time I see Lassie hit by a truck and I think that Lassie's going to die, I cry. Is anybody there with me? Anytime I see some silly love story where, where it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, I cry, do I have a a friend in the house? Anybody here relate? And then I find myself, I'm very patriotic. Um, My number was 98 in 1972 for the draft. They did away with the draft in June of 72. And had they not, I probably would have gone to Vietnam. I missed it just by a few months. There were so many drafted. But every time I see something patriotic or I see something about my country or whether it's our national anthem, whatever whatever it is, I, I see myself getting emotional. And I see myself getting, getting teary eyed. And you know what? There's a lot of difference between being emotional. I and mean, we come in the house of God and God knows our, our, our mind, our will and our emotions. And God understands that. And God uses our emotions to worship him and use our, our emotion to touch him. But there's a difference between crying because it was a good song or a sad song or whatever and actually stirring up the God that's on the inside of you, getting his attention. And knowing he's there with you, and when he's there with you, not just the major things in your life, but the little things that really don't seem important, God is all over that. I'll share this week, um, we've uh, we've created a suite and a special room for Skyler. I went to Big Lots to uh, purchase a bed, and the guy couldn't find the bed. The guy said, I'll go back, I'll find it. He said, why don't you sit here in this, like, really cool recliner and check it out, and Salesman, all the way. So I sat in the really cool recliner and I checked it out, all the buttons and whistles. And he came back and said, Hey, I still haven't found your bed, but sit in this recliner. Look, it's only 288 This one was $399. This is 288 So I went and sat in that recliner. That was that soft brush leather, whatever that's called. And it was really a cool. It was really cool. It was like wide enough for two of us, Pastor I both could have gotten the chair. And I said, This really is a cool toy. But I didn't come here to buy a chair. I came here to buy a bed. I didn't have the money for a chair. And if you've been to our home, there's no, there's not room for a face in our room. And we've decorated every room to the max. Uh, we've got the decorations down. But there's really no place to put anything. We are we are furnitured out. Please don't buy me a painting because I don't have a wall to put it on. There's no bare walls in our house. And so, and so he goes, hey, I got your bed. So I go to the counter. I reach my wallet. It's not there. I said, Oh man, I must have left my wallet in the car. So I said, Hey, I'll be right back. My wallet's in the car. So I got I got in the suburban and I've learned there's thirty different places my wallet can hide in the suburban. I mean I mean I mean there's there's literally nooks and crannies and sinkholes and, and quicksand and, and and incinerators and things so many things get lost in the suburban. It's funny. But I went looking for my wallet. I found my favorite pen. I found my sunglasses, and I found a $20 bill, but I did not find my wallet. And so I'm, I'm freaking out. So I said, well, I must have left my wallet at home. So I go home. I look at all the places where the wallet usually winds up, and it wasn't in any of those places. So I go back to the store, and I asked the guy, I said, are you sure? I didn't leave my wallet on the counter. There really was a couple of debit cards, about $200 in there. And I said, "Did you did my, my, was my wallet on the counter? And the guy said, I haven't seen your wallet. So I walked over to the first chair and I stuck my hand down in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the place there. I lifted it up to look underneath. Then I went to the other chair and Abigail did the same thing. I started poking in the in the chair and, and trying to feel through all the cracks and it wasn't there. And I go, "Oh man, this is crazy. I've lost my wallet. I'm going to have to stop my debit cards. I have my driver's license, all those little things that that you don't think they're important until you don't have them." And then something—it was a nudge, a, a silly nudge, a crazy little nudge that says, "Search the first chair better." So, man, I—I I, I lost my arm; it was so deep in that chair, and I got down there where the springs and electronics and all the all the all the guts were, and I got to feel. I got to and and lo and behold, there was my wallet. Now I know. That doesn't mean anything to you, but I immediately started speaking in tongues. I had a move of God right there in that store. Probably freaked the probably freaked the salesman out because he he didn't try to sell me a chair. He got me out and loaded as quick as he could get rid of me. But, but there there are there are ways when God's not always so spiritual that He's in the whirlwind or He's in the roar. I mean, God cares about the little inconsistent things that we we think are unimportant but if 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 they're important to us they're important to God and that's the kind of God that we serve i was with christine uh, a couple of weeks ago just talk just just we were we were doing driving and i was just telling her to christine it's not you are worried about it's everybody else on the road that you got to watch out for and right at that time an 18 wheeler literally ran me off ran me out of my lane and she was there with me and i said i said christine i said there's a reason why we're talking about this god showing you that, that your steps are ordered and that you're protected, but you got to watch out for everything else. And I got to, I got to thinking about yes, yeah, I got to, the day before yesterday I got to think about how silly that was that such a little thing got me all excited. And I'm thinking, man, if I could find my wallet, what else could I, what else could I do with life? What else could I? So it's like it's almost it's almost like a season where where you're growing in the Lord because you're trying to stir Him up. On, stir, stir God up and got, get God focused on the things that you're focused on. And I, and I begin to remember years and years ago how it was not uncommon to stay three or four hours sequestered in the presence of God. It was not uncommon at all to go to the church at six o'clock on Sunday morning and stay there till the service started at ten. It was not uncommon to go to the church. I remember years and years and years ago one of my friends had the key to South Cleveland Church of God. And she played the piano for the choir. And we had a key to that, we had a key to that church. And so we go to that church about eight or nine or ten o'clock at night. And we would get on the piano and we would sing and we would praise and we would lay hands on each other. And I remember when when Pastor Ron filed for divorce and came to Tennessee, there was a church there in Southern California that we would go to, Big Boy. I don't know how many remembers Bob Big Boy. It used to be Shoney's, I think, but we go to Bob's Big Boy. And we would drink about 11 or 12 cups of coffee. And I mean, our skin was crawling when we came to that restaurant. And we would go to the church. We would prophesy over stuff. We put empty chairs. And I would, I would command Pastor Ronnie to be uh, air vac or spiritual vac to that chair and lay hands on that chair. And we thought we saw angels and we thought we saw a manifestation. And those, those times were so tender and those times were so precious and I miss those times. And I told Pastor Rhonda Monday, I'm going back to those times. I want to, I want to stir God up. I want God stirred up in my life. I want God watching over the stuff I'm doing. And I want to make sure I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. The second thing that I learned is found in Second Timothy 1 and 6. Brother David, I don't know if you can pull that up or not. Second Timothy 1 and 6. But not only can we stir up God, but Paul is telling Timothy Don't forget to stir up the gifts that you have received by the laying on of my hands. And, Melissa, I see this. I see this transition from pastor to member that there is something happens when your pastor shakes your hand and blesses you. Or there's something happens when your pastor prays for you over the phone. Or there's something that happens when, Pastor, you're you're in an altar area And Pastor comes and lays it. There's some some kind of impartation that what God is doing on the inside of me, I can transfer it to you, and you can sense that power of God stirring up in you, and you get stirred up, and you get motivated, and you get excited. Um, I'll be very careful what I share because this message will be podcast, but uh, since Angel's passing, there have been two that have come to me and said, I'm gonna be a better Christian. I'm motivated to be a better person. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, uh, a testimony was given that uh, a marriage was in the process of being restored and that the, the family had decided to start going to church together. And since Angel's passing, they've not missed a single church service. And, and I think that is, that is the ability that when God stirs himself up in you, and you get stirred up, your life has the ability to stir up others. And that's the third point that I want to make that you have the ability to stir up others. Go with me, if you will, to 2 Peter, the first chapter. 2 Peter is right before 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 2 Peter is right after 1st Peter. I want to read verse I want to read, read chapter 3 verse 1 that I'm going to go to chapter 1 This second epistle this is a second book that Peter has written Beloved I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance So not only can I stir God up with my praise my worship my lifestyle But secondly, I can stir myself up. And usually the way I stir myself up is by remembering what God has done for me. And then I realize the promises of God are yay and amen, that tomorrow will be better than today, that my best days are ahead, that God's going to continue to stir me up, and I'm going to pursue to do the right thing. And then it says in third, Second Peter 3 and 1 that Paul is attempting, or Peter rather, is attempting to stir up the people he's communi- communicating with. I think that being stirred up and stirring God up, I think is contagious. I think that people watch our lives and they see us not necessarily react but respond. And there is a difference when something bad happens and when something bad takes place. And instead of reacting, I'm at a season in my life right now where if I'm not careful and I'm aware of that, I could get real bitter. I could get real angry. I could get really disappointed, really frustrated. But I've chose not to do that. I've chose to trust. I've chose to, God has a thousand ways to sort things out for me. I have only one way, and that's to trust God. I may not like what has happened. I'm not like what's, what's it's sometimes just feel like a dream. I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and it's all just a dream. And I'm, I may not like that, but I trust the decision that God made. And in that submission, people watch my life. I've had several comment, several, several comments the past two weeks about how strong Courtney has been and how, how she's standing and how, how tough she is. And, and to you and I, she is. But when she's alone, that's, that's when the, the memories and the moments come. And that's why I wanted to share the last part of this message for Courtney. If you go back just a page to 1 Peter, 2 Peter, I'm sorry, the first chapter. Um, as the Lord was giving me this a couple of days ago, I realized that there is a transition here to perfection, a transition here to completion, a transition here to bring satisfaction to God. And let me, let, me, let me just start at verse 4. The whole, the whole chapter is awesome. But verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And we know that ex, that escape takes place by faith. We, Cheryl, have put our faith in God is the only way. Jesus is the only name. The Bible is the only tool, and that's, that's the faith that we operate in. Our faith, the size of a mustard seed, actually believes that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That believe that not only can we be saved, but we can be transformed into the things of God, doing the things of God, walking the things that God wants us to do. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The Bible says that faith without, that faith without works is dead. The Bible says, but faith, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There is a reward for coming to the house of God this morning. There is a reward for fasting and praying two or three meals a week. There's a reward when you get alone with God and you say, I don't care about the TV I don't care about the phone. I don't care about the job. I, right now, I love my family, but my family's on the back burner. I'm not leaving here as, as, as uh, help me, it was Jacob said. He wrestled with God all night long, and he said, I'm not letting you go until you tell me your name, the importance of the name, and we understand all that. So every one of us have that childlike faith that we believe there is a heaven to gain, a hell to shun, that there's a God on the throne, his sons at the right hand, The Holy Spirit is in us, dwelling in us, helping us stir up the things of God. And when you have that faith, you begin to add those things to your faith. Notice, you will, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence. That word diligence means eagerness. It means excitement. It, It means pursuing. It means chasing after. Giving all diligence and add to your faith, which is virtue. And we know that is right living. And to virtue, knowledge, and that's by studying the word of God. And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance is simply self-control, that balanced life, that sanctified life. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, we all know what that is. Don't ever pray for it because it comes in the worst way of putting us through tiles. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, that we are to love one another, practice on one another. And to brotherly kindness, charity, love. And so we find that it starts out in a simple grain of, of, of seed that we have faith. We believe that God is who he is, and we ask Jesus in our heart to worship our sin. And that all these transitions, all these different things, we start working in, and we end up in love. And Paul said, if I have not love, I have nothing. I, have, I can be all this in a bag of chips, but if I don't have love, I'm sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And I think, and I don't remember who it was, maybe Diana Ross said, what the world needs now is love sweet love? That was in the 70s, and the world needs more love than it's ever needed. That we would demonstrate the love of Christ to one another, to those that are, that we love, and to our enemies. Bless those that curse us. Do good to those that spitefully use us. Which is not so easy in life. It's easy to say it on paper. It's a, it's easy to speak it, but to really forgive those that have gone out of their way to trash you, to really go out of your way to forgive those that have hurt you and wounded you. That's a pretty big step, and you're not going to make that step unless you've gone through the process and you're walking at what we call godly love. But notice, if you will, verse 8, for if these things be in you, the things we talked about, and abound, they that make you neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you will bear fruit, you will birth, you will not be barren. Verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar of, have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, brethren, rather, give diligence to make your calling and let you sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Ye shall never fall. And, Terry, I feel like that when it says here to make your calling and your election sure is to make sure that we don't lose our first love. If you don't feel that stirring when you're singing a worship song, if you don't feel that stirring when you're in a, a, a Bible study or a prayer meeting, if you don't feel that stirring when you're, alone, when you're alone trying to get alone with God, you need to get it back. I can't tell you it's not a drug you can take. It's not a drink you can drink. It's not a book you can read. It happens obviously in the mind that you've got to con- conquer this mind, cast down bane of imagination, and you've got to prepare this mind to think the thoughts of God and make up your mind like Jacob. I'm not leaving here until you touch me, and that touch that he received that morning, he limped the rest of his life to remind him and others that God had touched him, that he had broken through that barrier, and he had touched the things of God, and God honored him. I don't want to limp. <laughs> I don't want some kind of droopy eye or some kind of weird. You know, I don't. I, I I want people to be around me just for a minute and know he's touched God. He knows the name of God, and in verse um 11 I, uh, I wanted to I want to make sure that I didn't miss a I miss a scripture there uh, verse go to verse 13 then we're going to go to verse 11 verse 13. Yea, I think it meant as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you, in remembrance. And that's what I shared. If I can stir you up, if I can encourage you to go back, if you could see, Gene, where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love him so. You can take this world, its wealth and riches, I don't need earth's gain. It's my desire to live for him. The second verse says, it's my desire to help someone today, someone who may have lost their way. I, too, was once so lost, hello, but I found my way to God. It's my desire to live for him. And that's that remembrance. That's, that, that's how I can touch you, you can touch me, we can bless one another. But look, if you will, verse 11. I felt like this was for Courtney. For such... For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to look at the word entrance, and I want you to say with me, door, door, door. I found this um, in Hosea 2 and 15. That talks about a door of hope. In the valley of Acor. you might want to write that down hosea 2 and 15 that there shall be a door of hope in the valley of Acor. let me tell you about the valley of achor when god let the walls of jericho flatten and they destroyed the enemy god gave the command take nothing from the city it's it's vile i, w- I don't want anything to do with it i want to trash the city and fire i don't want anything and nothing escaped except for Rahab because she hit the spies. But there was a guy by the name of Achan, and Jerry, brother Achan, took some stuff from the city. There was some some gold, there was some silver, there was some fine clothing. Ironically, he stole something he couldn't wear. He took money he couldn't spend. And they went to the next battle and Joshua didn't send as many troops to the second battle as the first battle. And with the second battle, they were defeated. And Donnie, Joshua went to God and said, God, what have we done to upset you? What have we, because we know we had the warrior sufficient to win the battle. What, what's going on? Why didn't we win the battle? And God said, there's sin in the camp. There's disobedience in the camp. There's someone in the camp that has violated my command. And through the research, it turned out that Achan had taken several pieces of clothing, silver and gold. And it's a very, very scary, scary story that God had the people of Israel take Achan's family. Mom, dad, brother, sister, niece, nephew, every one of that family. And they were stoned to death. And that sounded, that, that sounded pretty tough, pretty severe. But God knew that different people influence different people. And if you get the wrong influences in your life, it will mess you up and you won't stay on the trail that God wants you to stay on. But here's what Hosea said. Hosea said, in the valley of Acor, there will be a door of hope. And the valley of Acor is the valley of trouble, the valley of pain, the valley of suffering. And that's what God is saying to us. Even when we walk through our darkest moments. Even when we begin to question God, his decisions. Even when it seems like all hell has come against us. And we can't find the answers to our questions. God said, if you'll look hard enough, I'll prepare a way in the wilderness, a river in the desert. And I'll give you a door of hope a door you can step through that you will continue to trust me because right now I realize the circumstances in your life would make you question me and the circumstances you're going through would would make you doubt my love for you. But I love you and I will send a door and I will protect you and I'll watch over you, saith your God. In Jesus' name. Can we pray? Thank you for your word. So much consolation and, and, and just peace. We trust you. We submit to you. We don't always agree. But we know you see a picture that we don't see. You see a cycle, a season that we don't see. And we submit to that. And there will come a day when all of our questions will be answered and we will understand it all by and by. But until that day comes, we knock on that door. We ask you to open that door that would deliver us from the wilderness, the door that would deliver us from anxiety, the door that would deliver us from worry. We ask you to present that door to us and for us to have the courage to knock on it, to open it, and to step into that special realm, that special place. Let us learn how to stir ourselves up. Let us begin to reflect in everything. Give thanks. Let us begin to reflect on the things you've done for us. The places you've brought us, the things you've done for us, and and in remembrance of you, and remembrance of our testimony, let that gift of God be stirred up. Let us learn to stir you up in our behalf. Whosoever shall call upon your name gets your attention. Your hand is not heavy that it cannot heal, your ear is not heavy, that it cannot hear. Let us know that you're there, and let us know that we can stir you up to work good in our life, favor in our life, wisdom in our life, finances in our life, peace in our life, direction in our life, ministry in our life. And let us be stirred up. Let the world know who we belong to. Let the world know that we put all of our trust and confidence in you. Let us sense your presence in the cry of a baby. Let us sense your presence in the song of a bird. Let us sense your presence in the bloom of a flower. Let us not get so theological that we miss the signs that you give us every day to acknowledge that you are great and you're awesome. And as busy as you get, you're never too busy for us. We're not looking for the thunder or the lightning or a roar, but in a still small voice, speak peace to us. Speak life to us. Speak direction to us. Speak wisdom to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And they also Amen. Amen. You love the Lord today. You love what God is doing. That was the word I felt like that God gave us for today. I hope it, I hope it blessed you. You can stir God up. You can stir yourself up. And you can stir others up. And, uh, and hopefully that will help you uh, later this week. I want to give you a chance to sow into the kingdom. Uh, the word says we bring God's tithe in our offering, the storehouse. The offering is kind of like last night. Uh, we met a real special young lady. Nineteen years old, getting ready to go to college, just a, uh, a born again Christian, just a just a real special lady, and she was a great wait- waitress and went out of went out of, out of her way to minister to a great big table of people and just did awesome. And so, Pastor Ron and I usually when we do a tip, we usually do twenty percent. That's just usually that's we just feel good about that. It's a good tip. And uh, but uh, this waitress did such a such an awesome job that uh, we left her a little better than 20%, didn't we? We left her, the bill was 40, we left her 15. Uh, that's what happens when we get around the things of God. God's been so good to us that we just want to throw a little extra his way to support the kingdom, support the things that are going on. If you need an offering envelope, lift your hand, and our handsome ushers will assist you. Austin is doing such a fine, such a fine job. Wednesday, if you don't normally come on Wednesday, please try to come and celebrate Hank Samuel. Celebrate this family, the part part of us, a part of our church body. And uh, if you have the ability to go to Target, see some of the things that they're needing. Or you have the ability to put some money on the money tree. All that's a, all that's a blessing. But as Pastor Ron said, if you don't have a gift, you coming and supporting this family is an amazing gift. It's a wonderful gift way of letting, letting this family know the church believes in them, is standing behind them, and supports them. Uh, we love you with the love of the Lord. Before you leave, shake a hand, hug a neck, bless somebody, sow a seed. We love you. God bless.